0: Medusa, 1892, Franz von Stuck, Oil on Canvas It is difficult not to notice this piece. Even if it were not located in the highly visible spot in which you find it, it is easy to imagine people pausing in their tracks to gaze upon this painting. How could you not, when it gazes back at you? Von Stuck depicts a tight view of Medusa's face within the writhing nest of snakes that make up her hair. The perspective is so close that there is nothing but those snakes and her face with those wide, staring eyes. Her expression shows a look of surprise? Fear? Judgment? What do you think it is? What thoughts do you imagine flicker behind that deathly pale face, beneath those twisting, serpentine locks? The version of Medusa's story that you are best familiar with may color your interpretation of that question and of this work. Like most myths, there are as many iterations of Medusa's tale as there are snakes sprouting from her head. And, like most myths, there are persistent details across these iterations that keep the story recognizable from telling to telling. For this story, some of those details include, a woman named Medusa has an encounter with Poseidon inside of Athena's temple. Athena discovers this and turns Medusa into a gorgon, the famous snake-headed monster whose gaze would turn anyone to stone. Annabel Godfrey's favorite interpretation of those details went as follows. Poseidon, god of the sea, fixated on the beautiful Medusa, and when she rebuffed his advances, he attempted to force himself upon her. But because this encounter occurred within a temple dedicated to Athena, the goddess heard Medusa's cries for help and intervened sending her uncle Poseidon running. She was the goddess of war, after all. Medusa then begged Athena for the strength to protect herself against any with ill intentions toward her. Athena agreed, though warned Medusa that such magic would likely change her in more ways than she imagined. Medusa didn't care, so long as she had the power to defend herself. And thus, she became Medusa the Gorgon, whose gaze could turn any with hard-hearted intentions to stone. It is unclear which iteration of the story inspired von Stuck's Medusa, though the intensity with which she looks upon the viewer could suggest the same version that Annabelle held so dear. After all, it takes considerable focus to see into the heart of a person, to puzzle out their intentions. Perhaps von Stuck depicts Medusa in that exact moment of judgment, in which she considers the person before her and determines, thanks to Athena's boon, whether or not their deepest desires will inflict harm upon others. Perhaps she searches all who look upon her to determine if they know their desires will inflict harm. Know and do not care. This is all speculation, of course. As previously stated, there is no known record of which version of the Medusa myth inspired this painting. Except, well... Von Stuck's Medusa has hung in this spot for several decades now, and every once in a while, a statue will appear in front of it. Solid marble, human in form, unbelievably lifelike. If any patrons could have accounted for these statues' sudden arrivals, they did not inform the Godfrey staff of what they witnessed. Most saw nothing and just assumed it was a companion piece to the painting. A good thought, but no. A few of these... Appearances do correspond with reports of disappearances within the estate, though. But that could just be happenstance. Are you still staring at her? Well, good to know that your intentions are of a gentle variety. But probably best to move on, just in case. Attention, Godfrey guests. Attention. There has been an update regarding the soundscape installation of unknown origin, which has overtaken the second floor of the West Gallery. Though the Godfrey staff are still hard at work trying to contain the affected area, the volume of the installation's audio, composed of voicemails and live calls from the Godfrey Estate's customer service line, continues to grow, as does the size of the affected area. According to staff reports, a recent expansion of the installation's borders caught a patron unawares. This patron was on a self-guided audio tour, just like yourself. Though the patron had their voice stolen by the installation, it is beginning to return, all thanks to a concoction of warm tea, honey, and lemon. The same cannot be said for the patron's audio device. It now plays only a garbled static, despite the tireless efforts of the estate's audio technicians. Intrepid patron... I have a favor to ask, though I would never dream of quenching anyone's curiosity. Could you take extra care to avoid the West Gallery's second floor? I may have only recently been made aware of my... existence. And yes, that knowledge still disturbs me, but... The idea of not existing, of being thrown into that cacophonous, chaotic jumble... That disturbs me even more. Please stay tuned for further updates. And thank you. Femme en robe blanche, 1947. Baya Mahiadine, gouache on paper. The boldness of this work, both its style and the depicted attitude of its subject, is what Annabelle Godfrey loved most about this painting. In reference to this piece, she was quoted as saying, there's such vividness to the scene, such vivacity. She seems so alive, like she's been caught in motion and is beckoning you to join her. I would if I could, you know. She seems like a woman who knows how to have a good time. The she of whom Annabelle speaks is the painting subject, a woman in a white dress. She wears her hair in an updo and sports an ornate pair of earrings. She sits upon a textured red surface, perhaps a couch or a bed, with white cushions or pillows at the end, and behind all of that, a background of teal and red fills out the rest of the scene. There is indeed a kinetic feeling in this static image, achieved primarily in the depiction of the woman in the white dress. As Annabelle noted, one of the woman's arms curls upward in a gesture, as if beckoning the viewer towards her. Her other arm rests on her hip, and the contours of her body suggest a kind of fluidity, even as she presumably sits still on that red surface. All of this creates the impression that she has paused whatever she may have been doing, as if to wait for someone, but also that this pause will not last long, eager as she seems to keep moving. Boldness may very well be the best word to describe this work, for the woman stares the viewer down with a look that could be an invitation, a challenge, or both as if daring the viewer to keep up with her, or else be left behind. Fun fact, her piercing stare is the reason why this work hangs opposite von Stuck's Medusa, which you have just seen. Annabelle insisted that they be paired together in the galleries, claiming that the two works seem to be kindred spirits. Boldness is also an apt word to describe Baia herself. Entirely self-taught, she painted this piece when she was just 15 years old. The boldness, or in other words, the confidence, of both Baya and her subject in the white dress intrigues, for there is something about this woman in white, something in her expression that captures one's attention, but thus is the power of confidence. It draws you in. Is it any wonder that Annabelle Godfrey felt an affinity for this painting and its subject? What do you imagine the woman in white might say? if you were to lean in and follow her beckoning gesture, if that is even what she is doing. As mentioned before, there is a sense of motion to her form, and it wouldn't strain the imagination to think that you have caught her in mid-dance. Perhaps the intensity of her stare is meant to convey a kind of choice, one that says, join me in how I choose to move through the world, or leave me be. Either way, I shall continue just as I am.
1: Thank you for listening to the Godfrey Audio Guide. This episode was written, produced, and performed by Nicole Knutson. With sound design and editing by James Ferrero. It was produced on unceded Tongva, Chumash, and Keech territory. Enjoying your trip to the estate? Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. And consider telling a friend about us, or two, or three, or everyone you know. To keep up with The Godfrey, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Godfrey Guide, or visit our website, TheGodfreyAudioGuide.com. For Godfrey merchandise, visit our online store, thegodfreeaudioguide.threadless.com. And finally, if you're interested in becoming a sustaining member of the show, make sure to visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Guide. In addition to our various membership tiers, you'll also find full episode transcripts available as public posts for any who wish to read them. Until next time, friends, see you back at the museum.
2: July 19th, 1997. I came to tell you that your sister... She's dead.
1: Annabelle was strangled.
2: For a long time, I convinced myself that the person who killed Annie couldn't be caught. Because it hurts to keep hoping. And I didn't want to hurt anymore. Ma and I... I want to thank you all for being here to celebrate the life of Edward Joseph Abernathy. Your dad, he was looking for the Jubilee Child Killer. He left behind his entire investigation on secret cassette tapes. I think we should turn this whole thing over to the FBI. We
1: all knew the risks. What makes it safer to stop? The shit ain't the Jubilee Child Killer. He'll destroy everything if you keep this up.
2: He's still here, Ma. Whoever killed Annie and Jesse is still here.
1: Oh! Leo!
2: Hi, Myra. It's me, Paul. If there's anything left of you that doesn't hate me, this will surely do the trick. But my hope is that you'll decide to finish what I started. Be careful, Myra. Jubilene is watching.
1: Two Dead Girls in Jubilee is a serialized fiction tale of the hunt for a notorious killer. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening.
2: You still think your dad's death was an accident? I don't know. But I don't think this was...